I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, Netflix shocks the movie world by surprise dropping a highly anticipated film out of nowhere on Super Bowl Sunday. I've got a review of The Cloverfield Paradox. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. Get set for another summer of sequels at the theaters, including yet another Star Wars movie. Plus, another Best Picture nominee comes home this week. We'll tell you which one. First, it's the news from The Couch. Do you remember the first time you saw a dinosaur? Oh, blue. We don't really believe it. It's like a miracle. A lot of hype surrounds the Super Bowl every year, and a lot of companies use the ad time to try to build some hype for themselves. And no one does this more than Hollywood, which can easily afford the exorbitant ad prices to show new trailers for what they hope will be big blockbusters. We're going to look at a few, starting with the latest trailer for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, in which dinosaurs once again terrorize a bunch of dumb humans. Something's coming. It's the T-Rex. It's the T-Rex. It's not the T-Rex. Here's an idea, don't stare into a dark tunnel waiting to see what might come out of it. Go somewhere else, somewhere tight where it can't get you. Four other Jurassic Park movies have already taught us this. But all hell's breaking loose on Dinosaur Island, which also has an erupting volcano this time, and a bad guy with what sounds like a familiar plan. Blue, come with me. You know you can't stay here. Jurassic World. The island. You're all right. Easy, girl. All of that is in the past. Am I dead? Not yet, kid. I want to show you the future. What is that thing? They made it. It looks like they made a new dinosaur, which was what went wrong last time. It also looks like they're bringing it to civilization, which was what happened in the second movie and every King Kong movie and Godzilla. <laughs> Fresh out of ideas, it seems, but it still looks cool and I can't wait. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom opens June 22nd. You need to get us out of here. Yeah. So you want to make a difference? Yeah. Trust me, you're going to love it. And which branch are you interested in joining? I'm going to be a pilot. Best in the galaxy. Chris Pratt and his prehistoric Avengers weren't the only ones making noise during the Super Bowl. One of the trailers that really grabbed my attention was for the next Star Wars story, Solo. I've been running scams on the street since I was 10. Kicked out of the flight academy for having a mind of my own. The Super Bowl gave us a 45-second spot for Solo, which made way for a 90-second teaser trailer on Monday. It's our first look at the film, starring Alden Ehrenreich as the young Solo. In case you're wondering, who's Alden Ehrenreich? Well, you're not alone. Most notably, he played someone named... Hobie Doyle in the Coen Brothers movie Hail Caesar from 2016? Stole the movie. He was hilarious in that. Okay. And his credits also include a character named Sven in a 2006 episode of CSI. <laughs> Lol. Apparently they needed to bring in an acting coach for him in Solo, though, so that's concerning. 
The cast also includes Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian and Woody Harrelson. Hey kid, I'm putting together a crew. You in? That's yes. Oh, and Chewbacca's in it, of course. Tandy Newton is in it too, and here's another big star who's in it. I might be the only person. Who knows? What you really are. What's that? What's that, you say? Scoundrel? Smuggler? Stuck-up? Half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? That was Amelia Clark, by the way, a.k.a. Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. And more on a brand new connection between Game of Thrones and Star Wars in a moment. As for Solo, it's out on May 25th. Get ready. Thought we were in trouble there for a second, but it's fine. We're fine. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, I wonder, did you ever choose not to? The end you always feared is coming, and the blood will be on your hands, the fallout of all your good intentions. The Super Bowl also gave us the first trailer for the sixth installment in the Mission Impossible franchise, Fallout. You had a terrible choice to make in Berlin. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. If he had held on to the plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation. His team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. That's Alec Baldwin back as a government guy, and Angela Bassett is new as a government gal. Stay out of Ethan Hunt's way, you guys. He knows what he's doing. Or does he? You don't understand what you're involved in. You need to walk away. Please don't make me go through you. I won't even begin to try to explain any plot, if we even know of any plot to explain at this point. I love the intricate plotting that often comes with these movies, but that sort of stuff is instantly forgettable once the movie ends. How many times has Hunt's government betrayed him? disavowed him, cast him aside. How long before a man like that has had enough? That's Henry Cavill as a bad guy, I think, because he and crew spent a lot of the trailer punching each other. Old friends are back, including Simon Pegg, Michelle Monaghan, Rebecca Ferguson, Sean Harris, and Ving Rhames. Ethan, that's not who we are. Maybe we need to reconsider that. Yes! The trailer shows a lot of cool stuff, helicopter stunts, Tom Cruise on the edge of a cliff, and even what appears to be that shot where he broke his ankle and probably bruised a few ribs. Hopefully there are still a few surprises left for the movie. Mission Impossible Fallout falls in the theater July 27th. So, how is he? Oh, you know, same old Ethan. Doing? I find it best not to look. Mm. 
Some TV shows put trailers out during the Super Bowl as well. Look at this world. This beautiful world. It's HBO's Westworld. We built this world together. A world where dreams come true. A world where you can be free. But this world is a lie. Evan Rachel Wood's Cowgirl Robot just does a voiceover while we see shots of the robot uprising following the events of Season 1. It's been over a year already since we've seen Season 1, so it is about time we saw something from Season 2. We also learned the release date, which will be April 22nd. We can burn it to the ground and from the ashes build a new world. Winter has come. If the maesters are right, it'll be the coldest one in a thousand years. We should ride home and wait out the coming storms. The war is not over. And I promise you, friend, the true enemy won't wait out the storm. He brings the storm. So be it. Got a bad feeling about this. You said people gonna die? Mentioned earlier, there is now a connection between Star Wars and Game of Thrones. The guys who brought Game of Thrones to TV, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, have been hired to write and produce yet another series of Star Wars films. This is madness. That's right. Just a few weeks after Lucasfilm announced that Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson will herald a brand new trilogy that is not going to be connected to the Skywalker saga... We get this announcement, that the Game of Thrones guys will herald another series not connected to the primary Skywalker saga, or the movies made by Ryan Johnson. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink, and I know things. Impressive. Most impressive. There are at least six Star Wars movies yet to be released that are confirmed. Solo in May... Episode 9 in December 2019, the one-off Kenobi movie, then Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Also note they said series for the Game of Thrones guys, as opposed to Ryan Johnson's trilogy. So who knows how many movies that's going to end up meaning. No release dates have been set for Star Wars Westeros edition. They still need to wrap up the final season of Thrones, and then they were planning on this new alternate history show called Confederate on HBO, which is about an America in which the Civil War was won by the South However, that proposed show has come under heavy criticism for how it might showcase present-day slavery. So no word on how that's going to fit into all this Star Wars stuff. In the meantime, the eighth and final season of Game of Thrones is set to debut next year, likely in April. Order your man to step aside or there will be violence. I choose violence. I can feel your anger. It gives you focus. Makes you stronger. This is very, very bad. Well, that may be very, very bad, but there's some very, very good news for Downton Abbey fans. I feel a shaking of 
the ground I stand on. The world is changing. If you have something to say, say it. All right, I will. The man who created Downton Abbey, Julian Fellows, has announced his next project. It'll be a TV series called The Gilded Age, about aristocrats in New York in the late 1800s, specifically new money versus old money, which I suspect will look a lot like the upstairs-downstairs dynamic he did so well with the British upper crust and their servants. Fellows made Downton for six years before that won an Oscar for... The fantastic murder mystery Gosford Park, also set in a giant country estate during the same time period as Downton, NBC has given The Gilded Age a 10-episode series order to air in 2019. Surely servants are human beings, too. Yes. Preferably only on their days off. (laughs) I think everything about Downton is beautiful. Downton is catching up with the times we live in. That is exactly what I am afraid of. That is the news from The Couch. Up next, we'll tell you which Best Picture nominee is coming home. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm building an alliance to defend ourselves. You should get out. Can you at least point me to Atlantis? Arthur Curry. Also known as Protector of the Oceans. The Aquaman. I'm Brad McGarry. He's Jeff Brown. We are the Couch Potatoes. What's that, Jeff? That's Ben Affleck as Batman in Justice League. And it comes to Digital HD this upcoming Tuesday. So that's for platforms like iTunes, Google Play, etc. And then in a couple of weeks, you'll get a hard copy and uh, on demand and what have you. Did you like the Justice League? Um, it, I thought it was okay. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I just thought it was okay. Is this going to be an extended one like they did for... I don't know. Uh, I think it must be... I read the disturbing thing I read is that they pushed that thing out early and cut it, chopped it to garbage just so like uh, executives at the studio could get bonuses. Like they meet a deadline and get a bonus kind of thing. So they demand the movie is released, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't ready yet. I mean, the director uh, lost a family member, uh, uh, his daughter, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Zack Snyder. So it's not like the filming, you know, went smooth as silk in that one. They should have given it more time, but- well, that's right, because Zack Snyder ended up leaving. Yeah, and then, they, and then Joss guy Whedon had to come came in. in. Yeah, so, I mean, they should have given it more time instead of holding fast a, a arbitrary deadline. Like, we don't really care when these movies come out, do we? No, one. Well, another thing about it, movie. too, is they, they kept it to that two-hour deadline, yeah. or two-hour maximum, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the previous movies were considered to be too long, so they said, let's keep it to two hours so it'll be nice and tight. And it was noticeable. Yeah, it, it, it felt too like short. they chopped stuff out of it. It'd be, <laughs> wow, I'd sure like to know what that was about, but I guess we're moving on. So hopefully we'll get yeah. some kind of an extended cut. For me, it's the least of all these movies. I like, I would say uh, Man, of, uh, yeah, Man of Steel first, Wonder Woman second, Batman versus Superman next, and then Justice League. Oh, Batman versus Superman ahead the ex- of- The extended one. I actually like that one quite a bit. Okay. Did Wonder Woman, you have that on Blu-ray, did that have an extended cut? I haven't watched the Blu-ray of it yet. <laughs> okay. I don't think so. I think, you know, everyone was like- this movie is good as it is. Just leave it alone. Yeah, probably a good call. Yeah. So that's coming to Digital HD, and we mentioned there's a Best Picture nominee coming to Digital HD. Not that? one, not two, oh, yes. but three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, <laughs> okay. which is also still in theaters, so you can big screen or small screen it however you see fit. Also, uh, Coco, which is also up for uh, Best Animated Oscar. Yes. There you go. That's right. That's also out on Digital HD on Tuesday, also on Tuesday on Hard copy, uh, the drama, family drama Wonder, which everyone who's seen it says is wonderful, and the um, what Denzel Washington movie, Roman J. Israel Esquire, for which he is nominated for an Oscar as well. 
Surprise, surprise, Denzel Washington nominated for an Oscar. Never heard of that before. Hey, we got about uh, a minute here before we uh, need to uh, pause for bottom of the hour stuff. But uh, Super Bowl trailers, one of the ones that I was excited about, which is making me consider resubscribing to Amazon Prime, is Jack Ryan, starring Jim from The Office. I didn't... I. Did I see? I think I saw like twenty seconds of it, and I was like, uh, "He lo- he seems like he fits in well for that." Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, especially for a TV series version of it. Well, he was in that uh, Benghazi Secret Soldiers, yeah, movie, right? And he, I thought, well, oh, Jim from the Office in a military role, uh, but he's he's got that kind of like. Remember the movie? Uh, what was that football movie that he did with George Clooney? Yep, the Leatherheads. Yes. And yeah, so he kind of has that sort of dashing Yeah, thing he can do him. that, and he's lanky, and uh, he's a good uh, suit and a tie guy like we've seen him do office work, yeah. which, and Jack Ryan is sort of, he's not like a, you know, born and bred action star like Die Hard, right? He's more of an office guy that gets sucked into these things, mm-hmm. right? So I think he, that's a good fit for that. Yeah, so I'm excited to, to have a look at that. Up next, we'll tell you how the summer of 2018 has too much of a good thing. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and we're going to look now at the summer of sequels. I'm going to be a pilot. Best in the galaxy. All right, again, that was Solo, and, you know, from the Super Bowl alone, we were reminded that this summer will feature new Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible, Star Wars, and Avengers movies. For what it's worth, those franchises combined, Brett, have made over... $17 billion <laughs> over the years. And I'm excited for all of them, I think, except maybe Star Wars. And I love Star Wars as much as the next guy, maybe more than the average Joe, not so much as some other nerds I could mention. Uh, there is still a Star Wars movie in theaters right now, right? Yeah. You can go see The Last Jedi. And this new one, Solo, comes out in May. Five months. Does not seem like enough time between movies. And, you know, like Star Wars movies linger in theaters longer because they do so well, so they don't get sucked out right away after three weeks. I don't know. Maybe they're just testing the waters to see if the market will sustain two Star Wars movies a year. It is an awfully big galaxy, and there are a thousand stories they can tell. And, you know, they're clearly gun-ho giving away these series to both the Game of Thrones guys and Ryan Johnson like we were talking about. That's got to be at least six movies right there, right? In addition to the other three you mentioned, the Solo, the current trilogies, Chapter 9, and that one-off Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. So, nine more in addition to the nine we've already seen. Uh, I think it's 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 almost too much, or at least it should be too much, except that The Force Awakens, Rogue One, and The Last Jedi have all been pretty terrific, so it is hard to argue against them. And uh, the same goes for Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible, and The Avengers. We should be completely and utterly sick of all these franchises already. But it's they've cracked the nut, more or less, on how to make decent sequels, keep these series going. The special effects are you know relatively easily done these days. Whatever they can imagine, they can do. And they keep making money. We can argue everything else till the cows come home. At the end of the day, it's the bottom line that ultimately decides everything. So it feels, it's frustrating. You get frustrated by sequels, but lately they've been good. I just Googled 2018 movies. You've got Avengers Infinity War, which mm-hmm. that is difficult to call a sequel per se. It's more of a con- the next chapter in yeah. the Marvel. And as expected, and like made on purpose from the jump, like the series of Harry Potter movies. Right? Yeah, it's all, it was always meant to be yeah. a continued series. You've got this solo, Deadpool 2 debuts in uh, May. A new trailer for that popped up this week, by the way. Uh, you've got Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is 
uh, <laughs> sequel for Ant-Man, uh, but again, part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. The Incredibles 2 debuts in June. When does the Ant-Man come out? Ant-Man and the Wasp like is after, in after, July. After the Avengers? Yeah. So he's not going to die in the Avengers, that we know. I guess so. <laughs> you mentioned Jurassic World. Ocean's 8 which is more of a reboot, I suppose, than a sequel. That is in June. All of these sequels, and I guess this is kind of how summer movies go and how they've been for a while, but it, it's starting to... It is frustrating when you look at the attempts that Hollywood makes to make fresh and imaginative movies. Yeah. They often fail. Like, you look at, for example, a movie that we both love, Edge of Tomorrow, which has since been rebranded Live, Die, Repeat. Right. That was a film that I, I don't even I, if it, it it did it barely cracked the one hundred million dollar mark. It's a movie that I think cost almost two hundred million yeah. to make, but it was crazy innovative, super creative. We both loved it, and it falls flat. Yeah, and that's why you know when something original like that or you know the big sick get out. Logan, even last year, that stuff comes out and critics and couch potatoes get excited because it's so rare to see something different and new. And then it's so disappointing when it doesn't just clobber at the box office because you know they, they'll just, somebody will say, well, that clearly doesn't work. So, uh, cancel the five original movies we were going to do and let's uh, let's make Paddington 3 or something like that, right? Yeah. And uh, but, but again, the Paddington 2 is apparently just fantastic. And it wasn't that many years ago where this it would be a summer of sequels or reboots, and it would be a garbage like The Dukes of Hazard or your favorite 80s show turned into a really horrible movie. Like Baywatch this past year? Yeah. Or, you know, Men in Black 3, which is just 15 years past its prime that it may have been okay, but it really wasn't worth your money to go see it in the theater. So now it feels like they're at least the spec... And it's a different sort of spectacle It's because it used to be natural disaster spectacle, right? Like yeah. we've seen the entire world explode so many times that they can't even really do that anymore. But they're finding other ways to make a nice spectacle that's worth your money. Yeah, that's true. They, they are putting more effort into the sequels to the point where they're not just rehashing everything that you liked about the first one and then yeah. amping that up. Except for Jurassic World, which is literally taking story from the, <laughs> the, the last movie, but whatever. Another frustrating thing that happens as well is if you do get uh, a new original movie that is a success, mm-hmm. there's this tendency now to not only get a sequel, but spin it off into its own universe. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. It's not one sequel. It's like we got to plan nine more sequels. And we have to have, like, John Wick, for example. So John Wick comes out of nowhere a couple of years ago, yep. blows us all away, figuratively and literally, with all the gunfire <laughs> in that film. And it was original and new, something we had never seen before, and the story wasn't anything special, but they found a new way to present it, and it was very exciting. Yeah. So they, they order the sequel, and then we're going to get a threequel, and isn't aren't they working and on a TV, TV show? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just... it's. <sighs> I understand the urge to do that because you got to cash in. You got, especially now, you got to strike while the fire is hot with our fading attention spans and what have you. But I wish that they would do uh, yeah. more original stuff. But hey, in the summertime, you got to cash in, and that's where they make all their their biggest money on these big kind of tentpole films. And, and the, a known brand is important as well now, just because there's so much stuff out there that it's hard for anything to like cut through. Just the monstrous wall of, like, what would we say with TV shows are like almost f- like 500 shows a year, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you call the show the 
the one with the guy from The Office who we were just talking about. Uh, Jack Ryan. Yeah. I was like, hey, people recognize that name. That show stands a chance of someone watching it. Yeah. Well, and that's true, and especially for the movies, now they have to contend with Netflix Yikes. dropping bombs at the Super Bowl. The Cloverfield Paradox comes out of nowhere and is released the same day. I watched it. I'm going to tell you if it's worth your time. In a moment, you're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes, and I'm here now to do a public service and issue a warning. If you saw the commercial during the Super Bowl and have been meaning to watch the film, I am here to tell you, don't waste your time watching The Cloverfield Paradox on Netflix. Here's the spot that ran during the first half of the big game. Possible earthquake near the Statue of Liberty. Looks like you should have left town a little bit earlier. Stop. Yeah, if you are planning to watch that movie, stop. Now, there were some kind of dead zones in there with no, with just weird sounds and stuff. There, that's because they had text on the screen that read, 10 years ago, something arrived. Now, find out why. So the backstory, January 2008, a movie comes out called Cloverfield. It's a found footage movie about a giant monster that invades Manhattan. What is it? Is it coming this way? I saw it. It's alive. It's huge. It was amazing. And there was talk of a sequel for years. In 2016, we get a movie called 10 Cloverfield Lane, which turns out not to be a sequel, but instead was described as a blood relative. No! No! No, no! No! Don't open that door! They're going to get all the kills! Something's coming. It, too, was sensational, largely due to an exceptional performance from John Goodman. It's about a woman who crashes her car, wakes up in a bunker somewhere, being held against her will to keep her safe from what's outside. In the meantime, there's been a movie in development since 2012 called The God Particle, which was also reportedly a part of the Cloverfield family, but nothing seemed to be happening. Fast forward to Super Bowl Sunday 2018, up pops this commercial, which immediately grabs my attention because I see footage from that first Cloverfield movie, so I immediately think, oh my god, is this the long-awaited follow-up? Sure enough, it is, but it also turns out it's going to be on Netflix, which was a surprise because I was expecting it to be a theatrical release, but it's going to be on Netflix after the game. We've heard of surprise albums being dropped, like Beyonce, for example, released an album spontaneously to everyone's surprise. But I've never seen a movie appear out of nowhere like this. So, of course, I was excited to watch it. I waited to watch it, though, because after the game, hey, I had to watch This Is Us and have myself an ugly cry. 27 million viewers, by the way, for This Is Us on Sunday night. So I watched The Cloverfield Paradox on Monday afternoon and Disappointment does not begin to describe how I feel for this stupid movie. 
I will admit, it had some decent thrills, it had some nice visual effects, had some good acting from a decent cast, including Gugu Mbatha-Ra, or David Oyelowo, or Daniel Bruhl, Chris O'Dowd, and Ziyi Zhang. But the movie is often confusing, and even just downright stupid. Like, it, there are these bizarre things that happen, things that are strange and cool, but then there's no ex- explanation. So I wonder... What was the point of that? It just ends up feeling kind of like a cheap knockoff of Event Horizon, which is a space horror movie from the 1990s. If this were simply The God Particle and had been released in theaters and had nothing to do with Cloverfield, I'd say it was mildly entertaining, but mostly dumb and instantly forgettable and ultimately a waste of my money. But since this is a Cloverfield movie, which debuted in such a splashy way where they've managed to shoehorn in this extremely loose connection to Cloverfield and try to use it as an explanation for how the events in that first Cloverfield happened and, I guess, the second one, 10 Cloverfield Lane. I will say it's lazy trash, and Paramount was wise to dump this off from a planned theatrical release to Netflix instead. Netflix apparently paid $50 million for it. Its budget was around $40 million, and there was zero marketing other than the Super Bowl ad, which cost Netflix five million dollars had they released this in theaters like i said it would have failed but since they released it on netflix with this guerrilla super bowl marketing sneak attack it got tons of buzz tons of buzz and will be watched by hundreds of thousands if not millions of people and i think that's a shame because it's stupid oh and the promise that's made in that super bowl ad 10 years ago something arrived now find out why no there's no explanation We are simply left to assume. I had to go to YouTube and watch a bunch of videos from various nerds who have come up with their own theories. While I enjoy doing that, because I too am a nerd, most normal people don't have time for that, nor do they care enough to do that. The more I think about this, the angrier I become. So I think I'm going to give the Cloverfield Paradox one couch cushion out of five. You know what? Maybe a bit harsh. Like I said, it did have some decent thrills, but it's all just so pointless and I feel completely ripped off. And actually a buddy of mine commented on my Facebook about it and he says, hey, Brett, want to make a Cloverfield movie with me? We just need a completely unrelated sci-fi script that we work the word Cloverfield into somehow and bingo, it's part of the most loosely and now lazily connected film series in history. Oh, and to cap it, there's another one coming. There's a fourth Cloverfield movie coming. It's a World War II movie called Overlord, or I guess they'll maybe call it Cloverlord. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, I think that's supposed to come out in theaters in uh, October. That would be... Okay, so... Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. So, uh, if I haven't seen 10 Cloverfield Link, can I watch this new one? Oh, yes, absolutely. I won't be lost. I'll be lost anyway just because it sucks. Yeah. Well, Did the nerds explaining on the YouTube videos, did they enjoy it? Yeah, one of the guys said it was pretty great, I think was the exact quote. Okay. Yeah, I don't... Sounds suspiciously like a nerd we know, but... Yeah, I I don't... And I want to like this movie more because, like I said, there were parts that I did enjoy. I enjoyed the the characters. I enjoyed the actors. But just the overall experience has left me with a really sour taste in my mouth. And in particular, because if this movie is the explanation for what happened in 2008 for that very first Cloverfield movie, then I I feel totally ripped off because there have been speculation and theories about how that all went down for years. Yeah, yeah. 
So, and this completely blows all that out. Oh, that's too bad. Because I sort of like the, you know, the mystery of that first one, that it's just that found footage and that's all you get, right? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Uh, you mentioned Event Horizon. That is one of my three least favorite movies of all time. Really? I had never been more upset than when I had to go watch that in the theater with my friends. Oh, wait, why is was, that? Well, first of all, outside the theater, hey, what are you guys going to go see? Uh, I was like... <laughs> I was all, hey, let's go see Gross Point Blank. I saw it, and it's awesome. You guys need to see it. And then we went to Event Horizon. And a second watch at Gross Point Blank would have been much more fun. Okay. And also, you mentioned 27 million viewers uh, for This Is Us. Uh, I heard that earlier in the week, and I looked it up. Uh, Friends had a super post-Super Bowl episode in 96, yeah. I want to say, or something like that. Okay. 52 million viewers. Yeah. That's the difference between then and that's not that long ago. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, I mean, 27 million now yeah. is miraculous yeah. for a broadcast television show, but uh, back then, that's that would be sort of par for the course, I would think, for a post-Super Bowl. Yeah, well, it was on the higher spectrum, but still, that's a... It's weird how it's changed like that. Yeah. So we have about a minute left here. Uh, a couple of other things that popped up during the Super Bowl. One was Skyscraper, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, in the, the world's tallest building and action and whatnot. And he's he got a, he's got a prosthetic foot, and I guess he has to save the building and thus oh save the world. Uh, we mentioned Jack Ryan, starring Jim from The Office, a.k.a. Yep. What is that, is that name? John Krasinski? Yep. <laughs> uh, Red Sparrow, starring Jennifer Lawrence as a Russian spy, got a new trailer. And Castle Rock, a TV show on Hulu, which is about, like, the world of Stephen King. So that looks kind of cool. Where all the Stephen King stuff collides, and because a lot of it's... Is a lot of it, his books, set there? They're all set in Maine. They're all set in Maine, and I believe... I'm not. I'm pretty sure Stand By Me in particular is set in the town of Castle Rock. Oh. Because that was a Rob Reiner film, and then after that, Rob Reiner started Castle Rock p- Pictures or production or whatever. The one with the lighthouse at the end of the Seinfeld episode, right? That, yeah. That company was started by Rob Reiner, so, and he'd made Stand By Me. So I think that's where Castle Rock comes from. So, yeah, all the Stephen King stuff colliding, that'll be cool. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. And remember, oh, next week, a review of Black Panther. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Bye.